Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Monday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Celtics taking on the Detroit Pistons tonight. That game is uh, at 7, just about a half an hour from now. And joining us to talk a little C's in NBA at large is Bobby Marks. He's the front office insider for ESPN, the former assistant general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, and he's with us now. Bobby, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. I appreciate you being with us. I want to talk about the Celtics, but let's start with the obvious and let's start with Kyrie Irving. What do you make of the deal that Brooklyn ultimately got? And what do you make of the situation in general with Kyrie right now? Yeah, I mean, I think considering the circumstances of a player asking to be traded less than a week from the deadline and his prior track record, whether it be in Cleveland, Boston, and Brooklyn in the last four years, they, they probably maximized as much as they could as far as draft picks and Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith here. And it still keeps this roster competitive. It's not, you know, you're not, it's not in a teardown mode. And I just think it's going to be interesting as far as Kyrie and Dallas, um, what the next contract's going to be to look like, the pairing with Luka. Um, but I understand it from certainly from, from, from the Nets' perspective. From Dallas's perspective, I mean, they're obviously taking a risk. Any team who acquired Kyrie was taking a risk. But do you worry about Kyrie having a negative impact on Luka if you're if you're the Mavs? Well, it depends on how long term how long term that risk is going to be. Is it for the next four months or is it for the next three years? Hmm. I think that's the big thing. I, I think the Dallas will have you know they're not obligated to sign him. I know they what they traded. They're not obligated to sign him to a new contract in the offseason. They can basically kind of wash their hands clean and, and kind of go in a different direction here. So just because you gave up the first and the two players here doesn't mean that all of a sudden Kyrie Irving is going to get a, a four-year, $200 million contract. So I think it's an audition. It's an audition for the next, you know, the next you know, three or four months is an audition for what the next contract is going to be. You know, it's interesting, too, because Kyrie reportedly wanted, you know, a four-year deal with the Nets. That surprised me because when he was with the Celtics, he was talking about retiring early, and he didn't want to play into his mid to late 30s, and his body was beat up. I thought Kyrie was going to be out of the league at 32. He's already 30. It kind of surprised me that he wanted such a long-term deal. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can you can make two hundred million dollars over four years and have financial security, I think that's always always the goal. I just have a hard time seeing where he would get that this off season. Uh, he wasn't going to likely get it from Brooklyn. I don't see a team like the Lakers. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in Dallas. I would say unlikely because giving him a four year deal would basically have him on the roster when Luka could become a free agent. And I don't think I don't think the Mavericks want to be, put themselves in the position. Your colleague at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, said this morning that maybe Kevin Durant could be on the move and thinks that the Celtics could be in play for him, I presume, around a package centered around Jalen Brown. Are you buying that as realistic? Would you even do that if you were the Celtics? Well, I would be surprised that in the next three days Kevin Durant has to be traded. I, I think this is probably more of a discussion in, in June and July as far as what happens with him, what happens this season, what happens, what does Brooklyn do in the next three days? If there's another deal to be made here. Um, yeah, I would be, I, I mean, I, I understand the speculation now because Irving is traded here, but I would, I would be surprised that um, all of a sudden, even if he did become a vet, you know, asked to be traded that all of a sudden the Nets are picking up the phone, calling teams, looking for the best trade package here. I think that's, as I said, it's a conversation to have in the, uh, in the offseason here, but let's face it. I mean, 
Kevin Durant's an all-NBA player. He's a top three player in the NBA. He's a better player than Jalen Brown, and you have him for three years. Right? Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown's going to be a free agent in 2024. That's, that's, you know, that's the reality of the situation here. That you, what we've seen of Kevin Durant this year warrants you know, a lot in return going back to Brooklyn here. But as I said, that's probably a conversation that we're, we're having in, in June. Bobby Marks, front office insider through the NBA for ESPN, former assistant general manager of those Nets. And now let's turn entirely to the Celtics. They do have the best record in the NBA. They're a half game ahead of Denver for that title right now. But they've kind of stubbed their toes a bit lately. Kind of an odd loss to Phoenix over the weekend. As the trade deadline approaches, you know, non-Kevin Durant, do you think they need something or is this just kind of a normal rough patch? Yeah, I mean, this is an, the, I mean, it's a long season. 82 games is a long time. I think you don't want to, if you're going to do anything, it's, you're not going to do anything with your core players here, which is, you know, your top eight or top nine players. I, I just think it's a, you know, everybody likes the trade deadline, and I think everyone likes putting trades together. But you look at this roster, it's, it's, a, it's a process of elimination. Like, who are you trading? Uh, you know, you're not trading your main guys. I don't, you know, I don't know about Peyton Pritchard or Grant Williams or guys like that. I mean, you've got some trade exceptions that you can go out and and do a deal, maybe boost up your your front court. You know, maybe give yourself a little bit more depth here. Um, you've got some draft picks in the future that you, we saw last year in the Derek White trade that you can you can go out and move a, a deal, but I mean a deal. But this team is a lot different than we were last February. And this is not a team that needs to you know have an overall here. So. If you can make a tweak or two and it doesn't cost you anything substantial, I think certainly you're you're looking at that. Anything going to be available? You think on the on the buyout market? You know, it's always we always talk about. It. I remember five years ago clamoring yeah. for the Celtics to go after Andrew Bogut on that thing. Anybody going to be available on the buyout market that could be of use to them, well, particularly in the front court? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting just because there's not many sellers right now. So you know, who as far as from a from a buyout perspective, I mean we'll certainly keep an eye on. What happens in Charlotte as far as um, with um, you know with maybe Mason Plumlee and Kelly Oubre players like that if there's no deal for either one, Houston's another team but there's no players on expiring contracts that's worth considering a buyout market. I think I think the buyout market's fun to talk about because usually it's, it's veterans who are at one time all stars are now out there. But I remember a couple of years ago everybody got wrapped up that Brooklyn went out and got Lamarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin. Right, yeah. and it resulted in them losing in the second round of the playoffs here. So, I don't think the the buyout market is as lucrative as it as it probably once was. It's such a double edged sword, right? We talk about load management and players missing games, but then you know if they play too much, you know, like Tatum did last year and is exhausted in the playoffs, we're wondering why he didn't sit more earlier in the season. With where Tatum is at now and the minutes that he's playing and the wrist issue that he has. Do you think Tatum should be playing, I'm not saying less games, but less minutes per game here? Because I feel like he could benefit from some rest. Well, that's that's what we're going to keep an eye on, right? So we've got, whatever, 25 to 30 games left in this season. That's why I said if there's a deal out there, maybe you can get another another wing, which is hard to do, and, and you know, maybe you lessen his minutes and everything. I think it's yeah, I mean, I think when you get to the playoffs, the goal is to be fresh, right? And I think we've seen, certainly in Toronto in prior years, when you max out minutes during the regular season, it eventually comes it comes back and, and haunts you a little bit here. What do you think of the overall depth of the Eastern Conference? Because for years it was that the West you know, was so much better and so much deeper than the East. The East certainly seems certainly has gotten a lot better. What do you think overall you know, uh, of the Eastern Conference here as we trend towards the playoffs? 
Well, I think there's some separation from where Boston is and everyone else. But I think, I mean, you look at two, three, four, and five, whether it be Philly, Milwaukee, um, Brooklyn, Cleveland. I mean, even some of the playing teams, which is Atlanta and maybe um, even even Washington. I think that's that is, um, you know, that's um, that's deep. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a little bit different than than the Western Conference, you know, where there's so much, you know, there is so much parity in there here, but. This is probably as deep of um, a, a deep as of conference that we've seen. So many years for you in the NBA before you got to ESPN. What's the go-to story you tell people at cocktail parties? What's the story you end up repeating all the time when people talk to you like I am now? That I went to the Kardashian Humphreys wedding in 2012. <laughs> oh, really? How was that? Were you? Was everybody at the Nets invited? Were you special invite only? Where? Tell me about this one. I think my wife got a bigger thrill out of it than I did. She's a big People Magazine fan, so yeah, I think she got a big, big kick out of it. <laughs> oh man, that is a that is a good one. And I remember real quick, you know, we we spoke um, a while back, and you told me about how far the NBA has come in terms of like the daily transaction logs. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah. I can't remember the exact story, but you know, when you were doing it, yeah, I mean, we had yeah, I mean, when I first started in '95, um, you know, when Twitter didn't exist, and we were basically just getting computers go i mean like you know um, you know laptops and all that stuff but there was no you know woes bomb you know, basically we had a um, there was a computer system in a room called it was called lotus notes and basically every morning and at, at at night we would check based on if there was transactions during the day and that's basically how we found that if a player was signed or a player was traded through you know through this uh, computer system <laughs> uh last question you do a lot of the you know front office inside and cap you know, understanding the cap and all that. I mean, really, the NBA salary cap feels like it's studying hieroglyphics. Why can't it be easier, like baseball? Like in baseball, at least I understand, (laughs) hey, okay, 141 million means 141 million. Here we've got bird rights and escalators and trade exceptions. It's too too complicated, Bobby. Yeah, I mean, I think if they're if if they you know eliminate saying there's no trade rules, then yeah, then we would see probably more baseball type trades when you're trading a player and you you know you're going to pay 30 million dollars in um of his salary in the deal and you don't have to match i mean everything has to match right for the majority as far as from a contract standpoint and you know everything has yes there is a lot of different nuances to it um i you know i guess i've been doing it a long time so it's a little bit more easy and and that's my goal is to when there's a trade that happens or a transaction to make it a little bit easier for the person out there who's watching or or reading to kind of understand that Bobby Marks, former front office executive with the Nets, attendee of the Chris Humphreys and Kardashian wedding uh, a decade ago, and uh, now you can check him out on ESPN, Front Office Insider. Bobby, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you. You got it. Thank you.